Sports is no longer just about the game itself. To be a success and to find fulfillment in the game, it takes more. The mental, relational, and cultural component has become more of a focus. No longer is talent enough. An athlete has to be trained in a holistic manner to reach their potential. Training the Complete Athlete provides a wide variety of interviews and informational podcasts for coaches, parents, and athletes to gain insight to reach a higher level of performance. So today we're fortunate enough to welcome Pat Bailey to the show. And Pat has been a legendary baseball coach in the Pacific Northwest for quite a while and has just wrapped up his coaching career and has uh, made the move over to work with Fellowship of Christian Athletes in the Willamette Valley, which I know they are very excited about since you bring a long history and a lot of connections to the people of the Pacific Northwest, uh, mainly Oregon, through your coaching career. You coached high school for 17 years, which after coaching high school for two years, that sainthood right there, and that you continue to want to coach after that, I think is is more amazing. So you spent, uh, you, you kind of been all over the place of being able to coach at different levels. You've been at UP, you won a national championship at George Fox and were there for uh, like for 12 years. And then you went to OSU, which in the world of baseball, OSU is, is one of the biggest of the big time. And you were able to jump into that program um, that had been successful and even help them become uh, national champions uh, once again. So we're, I'm super excited to talk to you, Pat. It's, it's it been interesting. I've heard your name for my whole coaching career, but that we just met like a week ago kind of blows my mind since baseball and softball do, do cross paths. Um, but I'm really excited about the topic that you are, are wanting to talk about. Um, and that is really focusing on the development of, of our, our student athletes. So Pat, I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And that's, uh, you know, I, I don't think my wife would have bought into all the time that I spent coaching baseball if it wasn't our mission field. And I didn't really feel a strong desire. Uh, the most important thing that we did uh, when I was coaching was man building business developing men of character who are, we want to be great community members. And if they choose to get married, to be great fathers and husbands and have, if they choose to have children as well. Um, so that's, that's the most important thing you're, you're doing when you're coaching. It's, it's the wins and losses it, that people, a lot of coaches don't understand that wins and losses take care of themselves. If you teach the right things. You know, I mentioned that a lot. I even say that in academics, if you, if you go to school to learn as much as you can, grades take care of themselves. If you build a quality team culture and quality people, wins and losses take care of themselves. So was this always your, your mission, even as a, a young coach and coaching high school, was that the original intent when you got into the coaching game was to build better men? No, <laughs> not when I first started coaching. It was, it was to win baseball games. Um, and it's funny because in, until I fully developed uh, in terms of what I wanted to do as a coach from a Christian viewpoint, uh, we didn't win a lot. Um, and so, I mean, that happened. I probably was coaching, I don't know, probably eight years before I fully started developing. I think part of it was just, uh, I didn't fully understand how to respect the players I was coaching until I had my own children. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh my goodness, some of the things I did, if that was my child, uh, another coach did that, how would I respond to it? And I wouldn't have responded positively. I can tell you that right now. So yeah, I, I'd say by the time I was at Westland, and it's funny because when I quit worrying about winning and losing, and I started doing the other things, that's when we started winning a ton. So 
I mean, I think we won our league at Westland. Five out of the last six years I was there as a Three Rivers League back then. And um, <clears throat> the year we got the state championship game in 1995, we actually ended up second in our league uh, that year. So, and then I obviously carried that off over to George Fox and, and was able to openly share um, Christ's teaching to our players at George Fox. So, uh, and was very fortunate. I, mean, I think we, I was there 12 years. We won that conference eight times. In the 12 years I was there, and then we finished uh, second, I think, three times and third once. So I was very fortunate. And honestly, part of that's just uh, when you're recruiting, and you know this being a college coach, uh, people always say, how do you win so much talent? And then you create a culture to go with that talent. And yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. You know, you pick kids that you think will be a good fit that can also get the job done. And I, I bring in kids that may not have any connection to the culture that was in our program. But when you see them develop through it, I think that is the most exciting part as a coach. And I know for me, the same thing, once I decided to say, hey, I'm going to teach you everything I can and you're going to run with it is when my team started, you know, stepping more on the national stage consistently uh, for, for, for performance. And if I would have known that, I would have started that a lot earlier. But I think as coaches, we try and control everything to create winners. And usually it's teach them to be good people and then they'll win from that. Right. So knowing this, that this is what really does lead to success, what are, what's some you know, insight you would give to coaches to how to help them? Like you said, you didn't really identify this until you started raising your children. And I think we can say all these things, but what do you implement day to day to help your kids become better individuals? Yeah, I, I think that the key is, um, well, if you're a college coach, and I think you got to be really clear in your expectations in terms of who you want to uh, bring into your program. But when I talk to players, cause I was recruiting coordinator from 2012, the fall of 2012 until I left, um, you know, the three things I was talking about is the most important thing we, we believe in at Oregon state is we believe in character and character development. And if you're, you're not into, buying into being a high character person and having good morals. And, and that involves being a team player. It's how you treat women. It's everything I talked to them about. Um, this is not a good culture for you. And the second thing is, is uh, you got to believe in hard work. I mean, if, if you're not a hard worker, because the bottom line is, and I couldn't say this at Oregon State, but whatever you have ability-wise that God blessed you with, you have a 100% obligation to make the most out of your God-given talent because he get, gave that to you and, and you're there to glorify the Lord by how you apply. And so the second thing is working hard. And I really believe hard work starts in the classroom. And the quickest way to get in trouble at Oregon State when I was there was to not get really good grades. So our, our team GPAs, uh, I don't think it was, we had a GPA. Uh, from 2012 to I left, we didn't have a team GPA that was below 318. Uh, and we're on a quarter system. Uh, it was always between 318 and a 335. So the hard work starts in the classroom, lakes out on the baseball field. Because you and I both know very few guys are going to make it to the major leagues, but they have other avenues and careers they have to pursue. And so it's important that they get, number one, get a legitimate degree, but number two, get really good grades. And the last thing is, is you got to make other people more important than yourself. And we live in a very, very selfish society. Oh, my goodness. I mean, everything's about me, 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 me. And so if you can get guys to buy in that and coach Casey, uh, when I worked with Pat, he did a great job of getting guys to be selfless. 
uh, to, to really care about each other and have a genuine love for one another. And I, I think that's the key to winning those, those three things and being successful. When <clears throat> true about academics. And I, I was so happy when the NCA started making the commercials that people are going to be professionals in something else. Uh, I actually had just posted something on my social media and it talks about, this is why it's important to get good grades because most, most people aren't going to be professional athletes. And I, I shocked a kid when I walked out in the weight room, we were talking about grades and he goes, well, I have like a two seven five. And I go, do you want to go to grad school? Well, yeah. And I said, you're not going to get there with a two seven five. And you would have thought I said, you know, his best friend, you know, got hit, uh, you know, in a car accident. He was so stunned. And I said, you have to step up your game in the classroom. And that usually does play out. If you're disciplined in one thing, you're going to be disciplined in the other. And a lot of kids just think I'm just going to stay eligible and play. Well, staying eligible is one thing. Graduating with good degrees to maybe possibly go to grad school is a totally different thing. Right. Um, so talking about this, this selfish community or the selfish culture in, in our country, which it totally is, how did you guys help kids see and buy into that digging in and being with somebody is a value? Being their solid teammate is a value. I think it's just, a, just how you go about your business, what the words that come out of your mouth, your actions, just everything that involves when you're being, you know, uh, Billy Graham, and I'm going to mess this up, but Billy Graham said, uh, and I really believe this too, that a coach will have more influence on an individual in one year than an ordinary person does in a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And the first time I read that quote, I went, oh my goodness, that is so true. We have such a huge responsibility, both good and bad um, from a coaching viewpoint in terms of what, I mean, players watch everything you do. They, they hang on every word you say. Uh, it's just, really important on a day-to-day -day within your program and your culture that you just promote what you believe in. And so, uh, I mean, I believe from the bottom of my heart, those three things. So, uh, and I know Case did too. Uh, so we, we really complimented each other really well in that way. Um, you know, and I, and I think, and it was a lot of fun uh, because we got guys in, I mean, the talent that we had in, in 18, I mean, there was, five guys in that team, four of them got drafted first round, but there should have been five first round picks on that game. Uh, and I'll just go through a couple of guys. Nick Madrigal was the fourth pick in the draft, but he's a great young man. I mean, he's just a team guy. He wants to win. He's a hard worker. He's a great student. I think he ended up with like a three, six, five at Oregon state. And, and he was a, almost a 4.0 out of high school. Adley Rutschman, who was the number one pick in the draft. Adley was, I'm going to say a three, nine, five. I think he got one B his entire high school. Uh, and, and Adley was a really good student also at Oregon state and was number one pick in the draft. So we not only got really good players and I could go on, on. Trevor Larnick was a really good student. Um, Kwani Steven, who was the fifth round pick was a great student. Uh, Caden Grenier was a 4.0 student out of Las Vegas that ended up being a first round pick uh, in 18. So they're all were, really good students but more importantly they were really good people and they really cared about each other and they wanted to win so well and i know as a parent of a little boy that uh loves oregon state baseball and sadly loves seahawk football i i have failed as a parent that he's a seahawk fan but um 
he looks to those guys. You know, he has an Adley Rushman baseball card in his room. Like he fussle, uh, follows Russell Wilson. And it is because they're great at what they do, right? But we are quick to tell him the stories of, you know, Adley sitting out there signing autographs for hours after games or, you know, why Russell Wilson has a number three on his jersey because we want him to be that good man going through sports. You know, we joke about t- uh, Tim Tebow. I go, buddy, Tim Tebow, let's do, let's go. You know, play some sports, love Jesus. If you marry Miss uh, Universe, good for you. But the big thing is, is who, what man is he going to become? Because the odds of him being a professional athlete aren't very high, right? And if even if he does, we want him to be the person that the, the next generation looks to, like he does to Russell Wilson or Mahomes or to an Adley Rushman. And I think that's a, a really good precedent to set for the next generation of athletes. Um, yeah, it is. And the other thing is, I think those guys... You know, they are great role models, but one of the things we got to teach kids is that everybody's flawed and nobody's perfect. And, you know, I talked to a guy the other day, he's really disappointed in a a person who's a committed Christian. I said, hey, listen, buddy, you got to look vertical. You can't look horizontal uh, because there isn't anybody that's ever lived here on the face of the earth that's without sin except for Christ. So um you know i think it's great those guys are great role models but we got to make sure that our kids um including when i talk to my grandkids now that um there isn't anybody if you if you start worshiping somebody who's a human being you're gonna be disappointed well that's what i was actually talking with a client about path of redemption and it was for her parents you know we talked about forgiveness and redemption and she goes i never thought that they could i could give that to them and we talked about the value of redemption that people are going to misstep and athletes do it all the time and it gets very public, but do we, you know, do we sit by and, and, and allow them to have a path of redemption? I, and I, so I think that's, it's, that's a very good point that if we do follow somebody too closely, they will disappoint us because that the pursuit of perfection is impossible, right? It's just absolutely impossible. So, you know, you played at the, high, you know, you coached at one of the highest levels of, of sports, you, you know, won a national championship at a, uh, with a PAC 12 team, but then there's the next level of professional, and you kind of talked about this a little bit. But do you feel that that philosophy should ring true even in the pro level? That we, you know, talking about building good men is going to bring success. Yeah, I think one of the hardest things for our guys when they sign professional contracts, and this is more the minor leagues than it is the major leagues, but everybody in the minor leagues wants to move up. I mean, that's that's why they're there. So. Um, I think it's really hard in the minor leagues to not be a, be a little selfish because you're trying to beat somebody out to move up. And so the team part of it, the number one thing our guys at Oregon State have all told me that they really struggled with in the minor leagues uh, was just the team culture. There wasn't one. I mean, guys didn't care about winning or losing. All they cared about was moving up for the most part. So that part's hard. I think once you get in the majors, it probably depends on the team and the organization. But I think the team part does become more important. Uh, you're dealing with a lot of money and you're dealing with a lot of egos. So, um, you know, there's guys like Buster Posey, who's just a great role model example that played at, at uh, Florida State and has been the Giants organization. I think uh, those guys are more of the exception than the ordinary person for professional baseball. So, but I, I do know, um, you know, I have a buddy that works with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, that's their team chaplain. And, and I know that they, they do get quite a few guys that, that uh, come to chapel. 
um, when they have it. And I don't know what day he does it, if he does it on Sunday or what, but I know there's quite a few guys that go to it. So we've kind of talked about this through the coaching lens, but there's so many more kids involved in youth sports than are at college levels, right? So what are things that parents can start? And I, I believe they need to start it as early as the kids start sports. You know, we don't want to just try and make these changes in middle school sports or, or high school. But what are things that parents can integrate into working with their kids and helping their kids develop develop through life and sport that will help build stronger uh, either men or women as they go through the ranks? Yeah, I think two things um, about the parenting part is just be a parent, be supportive, don't live through your kids, what they do. Um, you know, my dad, when I was an 11th grader, I was complaining because I wasn't starting on the football team. And my dad said, instead of whining to me, why don't you go talk to the head coach? When he goes, why don't you be a man and go talk to the head coach about it? So I went and talked to the head coach who I was honestly scared to death of. He was a really great coach and I loved him, but he, he was also a scary guy. I went and talked to him and I ended up starting the third game of the season and ended up playing every single game until I graduated. And I, I'm actually, uh, I was on the, I don't know what it meant, but the all century team at my high school for football, not baseball. So, um, you know, that was a great learning lesson for me. And, and I've shared that with parents. I mean, I've had, I've had individuals at Oregon state whose parents, uh, have called me like guys, 21 years old. Well, I was married when I was 21. So I think one of the things parents could do is just be supportive of their kids, but let them grow up and become men and women and, and quit. You know, you're not there at practice every day. Um, I, I told a guy, a dad, a couple of years ago, I said, I don't, you know, unless you want to quit your job and come down and watch practice every day, don't call me again. I mean, I don't go into your business and I don't tell you how to run your business because I'm not a part of your business every day. So, and I also told him his son needs to grow up and be a man and come and talk to us instead of having him call us all the time. So that's part of growing up and being a man and being accountable, but sports if they're done right, are a great opportunity to help people uh, in real life. I mean, there's sports is life in terms of the adversity you deal with uh, from, you know, disappointments to injuries to whatever. Uh, they just they just help you uh, grow up and become uh, the person that God meant for you to be if, they, if, they, if it's done right. So it's a great opportunity to have an impact on people to help them become uh, better human beings. Mm. Well, I, I actually got a phone call. Um, it's been a couple of years and, and our uh, our kids were probably like seven, eight years old playing Little League. And this parent had called me, great family. Uh, they were our neighbors and said, hey, you know, kind of similar, wasn't wasn't playing. They weren't really sure, you know, what he needed to do. And she goes, should I go talk to him? And I said, you should have your kiddo go talk to the coach. And she goes, really? You know, because that's pretty young. And I said, yeah. And we kind of talked about what would be a good things for him to say. And so the seven, eight-year-old little boy goes and talks to his coach. And the coach was so impressed that once again, like he gave him the shot to see what he could do. And he, I mean, now he's like, you know, a standout baseball player. But even at that age, you're helping build their confidence and teaching them the skills that are going to play into for a lifetime, right? And I deal with a lot of uh, clients and athletes to boot, like high level athletes that don't have very much confidence. And a lot of it is, is because nobody expected them to take care of things 
on their own. They were always willing to do it for them. So it's like you say, have your kids go and talk to the coach, right? Because that's also going to help build confidence and the skills when they go in the real world. You can't call their boss, right? You can't call their boss and say, you really upset my son. Um, and we need to talk about that. I know I've heard stories that that is happening in, in the world, which is absolutely insane to me. But it, it helps them in so many levels, giving them the skills to stand on their own two feet and take care of business on their own. Um, so yes, definitely crucial with, uh, with changing kind of the culture of just America's youth right now. So coming into this, like if you were going to start a program and you were sitting at a parents meeting, what would you say the expectations for the player, the members of your team would be from the get go? Well, it's just what I talked about. We talk about character development. Uh, we talk about classroom stuff, um, you know, first. I mean, just priority things. Uh, you know, I, I would share with them what my priorities are. Um, and and for me, my priorities, I have four big priorities in my life. Number one is the Lord. Number two is my beautiful wife, who I've been married to for 42 years, who I'm JV and she's varsity. <laughs> I always tell people I way overkicked my punt coverage when I married my wife. That's something like you, mar you married up, huh? I did marry up. I absolutely <laughs> married up. And then the uh, third thing are my children and my grandchildren, my family, and baseball's fourth. And uh, I always, you know, if I got those priorities out of line, my wife let me know right away. So, um, you know, it, it's funny because when you get your priorities in order and, uh, you know, you just live those priorities, they're great examples for kids too, because your identity can't be in sports. No. Um, you know, even if you can't talk to kids from a Christian viewpoint, one of the things I shared with players all the time, and I never told them where I found it, but it's in Psalms 139, 13, and 14, where it talks about you're uniquely knitted in your mother's womb, you're fearfully and you're wonderfully made, and, um, and, and God doesn't make junk. Everybody, it's crazy when you think about it, that every single person since the face of the earth began, and people started living here on the face of the earth, had their own unique DNA. There'll never be another, you know, Pat Bailey or Carrie Farrell ever again on the face of the earth. I mean, that's how unique we are. And so we need to see ourselves as how God sees us. And that's really special and unique. And, you know, from a coaching viewpoint, that's how you should coach. I mean, there needs to be accountability, but there's two things people want. They want to be accepted and they want to be unconditionally loved. And I think sometimes people get the unconditionally love thing all mixed up. If, if I hold somebody accountable, and I always tell coaches, when you never attack a person, you can attack behavior and try to, to modify behavior. You can't, the person's okay, the behavior might not be acceptable. And so that's our society today. So messed up with that. If I talk to you about a behavioral thing, uh, you know, they, they think that's, you know, a, a, that, that, that I hate that person because that, which is ridiculous. If you really love somebody, you're going to hold them accountable. Well, and that's you one know, of the coach, things. Coach doesn't like me. Well, and it's, it's interesting because I have that conversation with parents all the time and, and athletes. And they're like, well, coach is yelling at me. And I said, you know, when coach stops yelling at you is when you need to worry because they don't see that you're worth the investment anymore and they're going to put their focus somewhere else i i had a i when i took over my program at concordia i inherited this picture as a freshman and uh she i'm super sarcastic and and love to laugh and have a good time and she's very serious and i said to her when i start 
stop joking with you. You need to be worried. So we're walking into a regional playoff game against one of the top teams in the nation. And I'm warming her up just, you know, and she goes, are we okay? And I go, why are we, why would we not be okay? And why are we having this conversation walking into a regional championship? She goes, you haven't given me a hard time in two weeks. And it's made me really nervous. And I just look at her and I go, kiddo, we've had four years of a great relationship don't worry about that at this point in time. But I love that she said, you know, you told me if you stop giving me a hard time. Right. And I always tell kids like, you know, you got to look at what people are pouring into you. And there are, you know, sometimes yelling is coach's version of holding you accountable, but parents as well. You know, lots of times we don't want to be the bad guy, but you know what? Kids need structure and they want discipline and they want somebody to be invested in them. Sometimes we get afraid of players reactions because parents are going to call us or we're going to have to deal with all that stuff. But as leaders, we're doing them a disservice if we don't teach them and hold them accountable, right? Well, and you know, as well as I do, our children, they're, it, once they get out on their own, well, even when they get into high school, you have less less influence on them, but they're a, they're a huge responsibility, but they are also a temporary assignment. I mean, you gotta let them go and, and spread their wings and all those things, you can't. I mean, I have a 37-year-old son and a 34-year-old daughter, and I, you know, we have more of a friendship now than we do a father, son, father, daughter type relationship. And, and, um, you know, you just, you got to let them go, but that they are a temporary assignment. They're not a permanent assignment. I mean, they're permanent in terms of relationship, but in terms of, if I went to my daughter or my son and I told them to do this or do that with their kids, they'd probably slap me across the side <laughs> of the head. So, um, you know, that's one of those things you got to realize that's, and I think that's where parents get confused. They think their kids are, are their permanent assignment and they're not. You got to let them grow up. Well, and, and going back to kind of what you talked about, how influential um, coaches are, even on our long-term development. Um, I played for uh, a club out of Eugene um, and uh, it was probably the best time of my life playing. Um, and he's also a counselor, which is ironic because I thought that was weird to have a coaching counselor. And then I'm like, oh, crap, I became one of those. Um, and I hadn't seen him almost 20 years. And I was down in Eugene and I just stopped at his doorstop. And now I'm in Eugene all the time. So every time I go to Eugene, I get to go sit with him. And I, I said to him the other day, I said, you know what? You had the right idea of what team should be. And it, he had three roles. He's like family, fun, and that team, you know, that team comes first, right? And I said, people weren't ready to listen to that because we get we get distorted with the selfishness of it. And I think about, you know, my time that I got to spend with him and how much it's imp influenced even to what I do for a living. And I still go back to him and say, you know, he's always happy to tell me books I need to read. And we talk counseling. We talk counseling more than anything else. But what a gift that was to have as a relationship with a coach, because what happened on the field doesn't matter anymore. Right. You know, we're not sitting there reliving every play and every game. We have a relationship. And I think having that uh, building uh, our athletes into better men and women also shows that we can shows them how to have good relationships. Right. And I think that's really important as well. Yes. And, and the thing is that coaches need to, especially young coaches, is uh, separate and, you know, I don't. I guess an example would be, I don't need an 18 year old as a buddy. Yeah. I want a friend. I want somebody my age. Yeah. And we're, you know, the mentor coach relationship, I'm not there to be their friend. I'm there to be their mentor. And I think that's really important for coaches to understand. Um, we're not there to be their friends. 
we're there to love on them and care for them just like we do our kids. Mm -hmm. We're there to hold them accountable. And if you don't hold kids accountable, you're doing them a huge disservice, mm -hmm. huge disservice. You're not helping them to grow up to be real men or real women. Mm -mm. And it's funny with even my, with my, my kids, that you know, my kids, not my kids that I, or my athletes, I say the same thing. I'm like, I am not your friend. <laughs> I'm like, I love you to death and we have a good time. But at the end of the day, I'll joke with them and say, I am Lord and emperor of your life right now. Right. You know, I, like I'm going to get away with that when they're like 14, 15. But, you know, the thing is, is but with those those ramifications of this is what we expect. And they know at the end of the day, I'm going to hug them and love them even when they fall on their face they've turned out to be great kids. And as I say, some of the best advice I've ever gotten um, with dealing with children, I used to work daycare when I was in college um, in the summers. And the very first day they said, you got to be able to kick him in the butt and hug him afterwards. And I was like, okay, that was the best advice I've ever gotten with working with kids. You know, it didn't matter how old they were. And now my own children is you got to be able to hold accountable, but at the end of the day, you are still going to, you know, love them and show them that they, they matter, you know, so much to you. Well, Pat, I, I love talking about this subject with you because I think this is what can change the world of sport. It can change the world of even raising kids um, from where things are right now. And you've seen so many great outcomes from incorporating this type of philosophy into a program. Like you said, national championships, kids going on to the pros, and even more, those kids that are going to the pros are great people. And that's what really kind of warms our heart as coaches is saying, yep, he is playing in the big leagues and he's such a good man. I think that's a huge thing. I know I, I think that of my girls is, yeah, they were an All-American, but now they are a great parent and they've really made a lot out of their lives. And that's what really sits with us. So I so appreciate your time. Anytime you want to come talk to me about anything, you just call me because, it, you know, it's great pulling on your experience and your view uh, of, of the world of sports, because we, we need more of that uh, at this time of thinking at the big picture of our of our athletes instead of always just uh, looking at wins and losses. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Check out Train the Complete Athlete anywhere you can find podcasts or go to the website at www.trainingthecompleteathlete.com.